Hey, Crime Style listeners, welcome back to another episode. You have to sniffle? That's tickling, actually. Quit. <laughs> talking. I'm going to sneeze or something if I can do something. Hey, Crime Style listeners, welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad. My name's Ashley, and with me always is my partner in crime, Ricky. Hello. <laughs> this week, I've been so, like, I don't even know. I guess just delusional, I guess I could say. It's been a rough week. Yeah. Not living at our own house is hard. Yes, it's been very tricky. And um, the painter guy, he hasn't showed up for three weeks, so... Um, well, I'm legally not allowed to talk about it. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that out. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say bad things. Okay. But we'll just make this short for you guys this week. We do have four patrons that we do need to shout out. Four lovely patrons. We have Kathy, Alyssa, Rebecca, and Audrey. Yay. Thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. It's a good week. Four, yeah. Four new ones? That's great. Yeah. Woo. They must not want those those ads. Maybe. <laughs> Um, but anyways, thank you guys, and thank you guys so much for uh, just listening and supporting us. We've had some awesome comments. Uh, it just fills our hearts. It really does. You guys are so supportive and awesome. All right, so let's jump into this week's episode. Jelani Day was such a dedicated student that when he didn't show up for class on August 24th, 2021, his professor immediately knew something was wrong. Jelani was such a caring son that when his mother texted him and he didn't call her back right away to chat, Carmen Bolden Day knew that something had happened to her baby. When his body was found in the Illinois River, in a town he had no connection to weeks after his disappearance, the police seemed content to label his death a suicide or an accident. But with the facts and evidence gathered, Carmen and the rest of Jelani's family are sure that Jelani didn't end up in the water of his own accord. How did a young black man with so much promise and things to live for wind up in a river of a small town an hour away from home? In central Illinois, there isn't much going on. There's cornfields for miles, a few state parks scattered throughout the state, and lots of small, small towns. Jelani Jesse Javante Day was from one of those small towns, Danville. Danville has a population of about 30,000 and is located just along the Illinois border near Indiana. Jelani was the fourth child of Carmen Bolden Day and Seve Day. He had an older sister, two older brothers, and one younger sister. In Danville, everyone knew Jelani as someone who was, without a doubt, going to make the world a better place. Growing up, Jelani cared deeply about his community, his family, and God. Carmen Bolden Day encouraged all her children to be respectful, kind, and compassionate. She wanted each of them to be successful, to get an education, and excel in their academics. All five of her children went on to get college degrees, but Jelani was on a mission to do more. 
After getting a degree in the Communicative Sciences and Disorders Department at Alabama A&M in 2018, Jelani was accepted at Illinois State University, or ISU, to start working on a graduate degree in speech pathology. A major part of why Jelani decided to go into speech pathology was a promise to a childhood friend of his who had been teased for a speech impediment. ISU is located in Normal, Illinois, a city located about an hour or so away from his hometown where his parents and siblings still live. He lived off campus and made it a point to come home often. Jelani was very close with his parents, always calling his mother to talk and even offering to donate bone marrow to his father when he had cancer. The name Jelani means great and powerful in Swahili, and it's clear to even those who didn't know him that Jelani was a great guy. On the night of Monday, August 23rd, Jelani set up and confirmed a meeting with the Director of Clinical Education at ISU, Kara Baster. As part of the degree, speech pathology students were required to get direct patient experience, something Jelani loved doing. As it was in the beginning of the semester, it was time for Jelani to get his clinical schedule worked out and to start observing patient cases directly. Kara and Jelani scheduled a meeting for the following morning. At 7.20 the following day, Jelani was seen at ISU's Bone Center, a student center on campus where many students go to get food, study, and hang out. While there, he bought himself some Starbucks for breakfast and headed out. He was dressed up that morning, wearing a blue button-up collared shirt, black pants, black belt, dress shoes, and a blue face mask, which are required to be worn in all ISU campus buildings. Though security footage was able to place Jelani on campus, right near the building where he would be seeing Kara, oddly enough, Jelani didn't show up for the meeting. Curious as to what had happened, Kara looked for him after the speech pathology student's class at 1 p.m. Clinical programs such as this are usually relatively small cohorts, and all of the students have a prescribed set of classes to take, so she knew what his schedule would be. It's a professional degree program, and it would have been very unlike a grad student to miss class without letting anyone know, especially a student as committed to his studies as Jelani. When she found out that he wasn't in class either that afternoon, Kara Baster informed campus police, hoping that they would do a wellness check, a routine practice when a professor is concerned about a student's well-being. Though ISU is located in Normal, it's one half of Twin Cities, the other being the neighboring town, Bloomington. For many, the distinction between Bloomington and Normal is pretty blurry, and many locals refer to the towns as Bluno, short for Bloomington Normal. So though Jelani was a student in Normal, he lived in Bloomington, which meant that the Bloomington police would take point and check in on Jelani. When they went to his apartment, no one was there. In Danville, Jelani's siblings began to grow concerned about Jelani when they heard that he had missed his classes. When Jelani's mom was first contacted to see if she had heard anything from her son, she realized that she had been very busy with the trip, and she didn't realize that Jelani wasn't calling her like he usually did. 
She thought that maybe his siblings had talked to him, but all calls to Jelani's phone went straight to voicemail. The oldest day son went to check out Jelani's apartment. Everything seemed in order, but Jelani and the car were gone. Jelani was officially reported missing on Wednesday, August 25th by his professor and family. With Jelani officially missing, an official search had begun. Jelani's car, which he had fixed up himself and used to belong to his grandfather, was found in the evening of August 26, but not in Bloomington or Normal. The Chrysler was found in Peru, Illinois, an hour drive north of Bloomington. Peru is another small town in Illinois, and it used to be one of the many all-white towns in the Midwest. Over time, the town has grown to be about 0.4% African-American. Such little diversity comes from Peru's history as a sundown town, a town where racial segregation was unofficially enforced through intimidation, violence, and discriminatory laws. Even with that history decades in the past, Peru has remained overwhelmingly white. But when Jelani's car was found there, the car of a young black man with no connection to the area, his family grew even more concerned. Jelani's car was found concealed in a wooden area near the Illinois Valley YMCA. A canine team and drones were brought in along with the team on the ground to search the area. Concerningly, much of the clothes Jelani was wearing earlier that day were found in the car and his wallet was found somewhat in the bushes about half a mile away from the car. The license plate had been removed from the car and his keys weren't found. It was an odd scene and an odd place for the car to have been left. To those in the area, it seemed like a spot that only a local would have known about. Not to mention, the car had its plates removed. Why would Jelani have taken the license plates off of his car? Bloomington police were also able to find more surveillance footage of Jelani around the town the morning of the 24th. It appeared that the morning that he went missing, a little after 9 a.m., Jelani was at Beyond Hello in Bloomington, a cannabis dispensary near ISU. Beyond Hello is located on a pretty busy road, and the video of him at the store is the last known footage of his whereabouts. Here, Jelani is wearing a blue Detroit Lions baseball hat, a black t-shirt with Jimi Hendrix on it, whitish silver shorts, and black shoes. And his 2010 Chrysler 300 car is in the parking lot. These circumstances were obviously worrisome. Why would Jelani had suddenly left school, changed his clothes, and gone to a dispensary, only then to go to Peru, Illinois, of all places? Why would he have taken his clothes off in the car? And where was he? On August 27th, officials announced that Jelani was a missing person in unexplained suspicious circumstances. Nearly a week went by with no more updates on the case. Carmen Bolden Day, Jelani's mother, pleaded with local news stations to cover her son's disappearance to raise awareness, but he only received minimal coverage. 
During the same time, the Gabby Petito case was ongoing. Some people drew comparisons between the cases, highlighting how quickly she was found and how much media attention there was around her. When Jelani Day also went missing that same week, Carmen and many others noted that when Gabby, a young white woman, disappeared, the FBI was quick to get involved. Why wasn't Jelani, a young black man, with just as much promise and light, getting the same attention? Even though there were no leads and no help from bigger organizations like the FBI, Carmen was holding on to hope that Jelani would come home safely. On Saturday, September 4th, however, it was reported that a body had been found in the Illinois River. The body was found along the southern bank of the river, east of the Illinois 251 Bridge. The location was about a mile from where Jelani's car had been found. In addition to the body, an ISU ID lanyard was found on the opposite bank of the river, and more clothing was discovered further east along the river near the Route 251 Bridge, all of which was believed to belong to Jelani. The identity of the body was not immediately released to the public, but given that these towns are small, many began to gossip and fear the worst. On September 6th, DNA was collected from the Day family to compare with the DNA of the body that had been found. Jelani's family had to wait 19 long days before they received a call from the coroner with the results of DNA comparison. On September 23rd, Bloomington police announced that the body in the river was that of Jelani Day. They had used forensic dental records and DNA to make a positive identification. While there may be many scenarios you can imagine for how someone would end up in the river, it's the description of the state of the body which makes this case so bizarre. It was reported that Jelani's body was missing its top front teeth. His jawbone had been apparently sawed out. The forensic pathologist could find no brain, no organs, no liver, and no spleen. Of the organs that were still in the body, many of them were completely liquefied. His genitalia were unidentifiable and called flayed in the report. Having been in the river, he obviously suffered from many fish and turtle bites and was maggot-infested, but it appeared it was in a severely decomposed state, possibly beyond what would have been seen had he simply drowned in the river. People in the local towns were also obviously anxious for answers. How could a graduate student with so much promise and drive suddenly go missing and his body end up in such a horrific state? Over the last month, there have been some updates, but most of it is unsatisfying. The toxology report only showed evidence of marijuana, caffeine, and nicotine, all legal substances in Illinois. None of these were found in any significant amounts that would have been the cause for concern. On October 25th, the LaSalle coroner stated that he believed the cause of death to be drowning with no evidence of trauma before his death. But it's unclear how he ended up in the river. 
The coroner's report says there was no evidence of injury, such as manual strangulation, an assault or altercation, sharp, blunt, or gunshot injury, infection, tumor, natural disease, congenital abnormality, or significant drunk intoxication. But given the state of the body when it was discovered, we're not sure how any of these things can be ruled out fully. As Jelani's mother pointed out, quote, he doesn't have any skin to determine bruising, so none of this makes sense. And you wanna tell me there's no physical trauma done to my child, end quote. Furthermore, Jelani was an avid swimmer and even used to be on the swim team. Avid swimmers would not likely drown themselves. With the evidence, it's hard to believe this could have been a simple drowning accident. According to Jelani's family, they have shared that the police are creating a narrative that Jelani's death was a suicide or possibly even an accident. Jelani's family adamantly denies this. Jelani had no history of mental illness, no recent trauma or shifts in personality that often indicate suicidal ideation, and had so much he was looking forward to, including his new program he had worked so hard to get into, a vacation to Florida, and a family that he would never let down. On October 19th, Jelani was buried in his hometown of Danville. Reverend Jesse Jackson, a famous civil rights activist, attended and made public comments comparing Jelani's death to that of Emmett Till, a 14-year-old black boy who was lynched in 1955. Although it's only speculation at this point, it's difficult to rule out a racial motivation. Some suspect that Jelani was lured out by someone under a false premise and then attacked. Jelani had never been to Peru, and it's suggested that someone must have asked him to meet them there or possibly drove Jelani there themselves before killing him. In addition to the funeral, throughout the month of October, there have been events to honor Jelani and to support his family's search for justice. A mural of Jelani was put up in Uptown, done by an anonymous artist to honor Jelani's life and legacy. But only days later, the mural was taken down. On October 4th, a protest was held at Normal City Hall over the removal of Jelani's mural. The town of Normal said they would work with ISU to preserve the mural to respect the community's ongoing grief, but that hasn't been worked out yet. Jelani's school, ISU, also hosted a celebration of his life at the Redbird area on campus where Jelani's family spoke, sang, and called on the community to help them find answers. On October 16th, Reverend Jackson's Rainbow Push Coalition hosted a March for Jelani Day in Peru. Over 400 people attended and walked from where Jelani's car was found to where his clothes were found to the spot in the Illinois River where his body was recovered, just over a mile total. The goal of the protest was to show support for calls to have the FBI take over the case. Jelani's family has said that the police involved have shared little information with them and are pushing a clearly false narrative of suicide and are not doing enough to figure out what really happened to Jelani. They hope that the FBI's involvement would help them give the answers they need to finally get justice. 
Whenever there isn't much formalized information coming from the police, rumors will quickly spread. In this case, because so many organs were missing, many immediately jumped to the conclusion that Jelani was a victim of organ trafficking. The Day family, however, has said that this is probably untrue. From what they know, the organs were more likely missing from the massive amount of decay and from being in the river for so long. They also have said that given the autopsies conducted, this could also account for the mutilated body. Jelani's family had a second autopsy done, and in recent reports, after hiring a third investigator, they might be conducting a third autopsy. Though there may be reason to doubt the organ harvesting theory, the police suggestions have not been satisfying either. The Peru police have stated that they have shared all of the files related to the case with the FBI, but given that they, at least publicly, don't see Jelani's death as a homicide, which is a federal crime, the FBI can't lead the investigation. They can only assist. Even though the days are skeptical about Jelani's cause of death being drowning, they firmly believe that someone put him in that river. By all accounts, Jelani had everything to live for. He was beginning a clinical graduate program and had always been an excellent student. He was well-liked by those around him and had a great relationship with his parents. Though we're on the outside looking in, it's hard to believe he would have done this to himself. In a recent interview, Jelani's mother brings up compelling points as to why she believes that Jelani was murdered. Though Jelani was a local to central Illinois, he had never been to Peru and had no reason to go there. His car was parked in such a secluded area. It seems like only a local could have known this area. The wooded area is hardly visible from any main road, and it's a dead end. Additionally, why would Jelani have left his belongings in the car, removed the license plates, and take off so many of his clothes? Those who have suggested that he was going for a walk or headed to the nearby starved Rock State Park, it doesn't make sense why he leaves so much behind. His body was nearly two miles away from his car. The details simply don't add up. Someone knows something. Here at Crime Salad, we are deeply invested in getting justice for Gabby Petito. And now we hope that we can bring the same concern and compassion we felt for her to Jelani Day's case. The young man with so much to live for ended up dead in a river, and someone out there knows how. You can find updates on Jelani's case posted by his mother and siblings on the Justice for Jelani Day Facebook page. And you can help support the Day family in their fight for justice by donating to their GoFundMe page. Even if this case comes up as a drowning accident, where is his cell phone? His keys are still missing. Where's his license plate? And like we mentioned before, he was an avid swimmer in high school, so he knew how to swim. Something happened to Jelani Day. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect.